Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Needs, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Oh, doing very well. We had quite the thunderstorm here last night with gales of wind and rain and lightning and thunder. I had to go out this morning and pick up 
from the deck all the little pieces of plant that were torn off by the wind and the rain. Oh, wow. That sounds intense. It was very intense. It was, yes. How are things down there with you? Oh, things are just really hot down here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And dry. And let's see, is this the week that you're going to weather that buck? We, yes. Yesterday he was banded, so um, he was a little sad and could tell he was feeling a little awkward um, yesterday, but he's perking back up today. Who banded him? Um, the 4-H uh, mom, who's also a vet tech, um, came over and did that. Because I've been told that the banding is the worst thing to do. Oh, wow. How, what, how do you... The rate of failure and infection is supposedly big. Mm. Wow. I have had vets tell me right out that they simply will not do it. Wow. Um, well, think about it. Would you have your arm amputated, or would you like a tight rubber band put around it until it rots and falls off? No, it it sounds awful, honestly, and it 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 felt pretty. Um, you know, I felt kind of sad yesterday about it, um, but it was my decision to do it, so um, I wasn't gonna be here moping around about and it. There but, isn't a um, vet. You know, I mean, it's a very simple operation. Yeah, it's strange. The vets here, there are so many horses that there it's very hard to find a vet that's willing to work on goats. Um, most of them will not make an appointment to see a goat because they say, why would I do that when I could be working on a thoroughbred? So, um, so there's not even somebody who does dogs and cats? That's what that I do. I get what, in touch with the small animal vets. Yes, I know there was one, and he um, unfortunately passed away. He was very elderly, um, but he was still working right till the end. But none that I found. Um, I've, 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 I've. Just horse, horse, horse. And horses need a lot of care. Horses need a lot of care. They get in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I, I'm hoping it goes well. I'm keeping an eye on it and looking for anything that seems off. It, it seems very crude. I, I completely agree. Are you giving him echinacea? I had not done that, but I have, I have that. I should. Um, same dosage, um, two dropper fulls for every 50 pounds. Okay, every two hours. Okay. It's a drop for every two pounds. Okay. So a dropper full, which is 25 drops, would be for 50 pounds. Mm-hmm. Two dropper fulls would be 100 pounds. Okay. So, yeah, he's probably about... Fulls, 50 pounds, which is a drop okay. no. per ounce. I mean, a drop per pound, which is twice as much. Okay. It won't hurt him if you give him that much, but it's probably more than you need to give him since it's prophylactic at this point. Okay. Got it. Well, I'll make sure I do that as soon as the, the show is finished tonight and keep it up. And um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I hope he's all right. The super sweetie. I've only watched goats be banded once before, and they weren't my goats, uh-huh. and um, it went okay then. But they were a little younger, so. Yes, 
that's what yeah. that's the other thing that I've been told that if you're gonna band, it has to be done in the first two or three weeks of their life. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They. I'm not sure what those other kids were, but um, they were definitely younger than than this little dude. He's already three months old. Yeah, he is um, like eleven, almost twelve weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're big. I mean, they're big. Like, you know, um, there's no doubt about it. It's not. It's not a small removal. It's, they're large. <laughs> right, and it's kind of iffy as to whether or not he's actually started making testosterone. Hmm. Yeah, you mean in he, terms of our? Yeah, because if he has then he's never going to really be a weather. He'll always have some aggressive behavior. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Testosterone, yeah. as we all know, is a hormone of aggression. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, hopefully he will um, stay... Well dispositioned. He's 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 pretty good right now. So um, hopefully he will. That would be perfect. What's his name again? His name is Huxbury. That's after his dad and and a family name of mine. So oh Huck, my gosh, um, fun. <laughs> yeah, his dad's Huxbury, so he's Huxbury. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had more people signing up to present at the Hypericum Conference. And Durga and I are still wrangling a bit about the illustration. (laughs) Seems so appropriate. It's so funny because I want it to be so botanically accurate, you know, like the the drag she sent today, the petals are too droopy. I said, no, Hypericum doesn't have droopy petals. You know, the Mm. petals are really kind of stiff and outright. She says, well, these are from the side, and from the side they do droop a little, because I sent her pictures. <laughs> so, I mean, we're really down to that level of detail on it. <laughs> wow. Wow, I love it. <laughs> but soon, soon, we will have a Hypericum goddess for you. <laughs> oh, every day this last week I've been wondering, like, oh, am I going to get to see a little peek of the It's going to be soon, it's going to be soon. Not yet, not yet, not yet. But soon. <laughs> and so this is a call out to everybody who hasn't yet made a short or several shorts or sent in your application to be a presenter. Several people have said to me, oh, right, right, I want to be a presenter. Good. You don't have to send in your completed stuff. But we would love it if you would send in your presenter application. Uh, right now, what I'm not seeing is I'm not seeing somebody talking about why people are hysterical about this plant. Why is it banned in France? What's going on? Uh, what I would, lo- what I'd like to do, I don't know if I'll have an opportunity to do it, but I have some months. Is I would like to interview people who take Hypericum fairly regularly and are taking drugs of various kinds. Mm-hmm anti-hypertensive drugs, anti-cholesterol drugs, um, 
and especially the drugs that people, again, get all freaked out about, like you can't take anti-anxiety or antidepressive drugs when you take Hypericum. But I know a slew of people who do and don't have any problems. Hmm. So I would like to hear from these people. If we don't get a presenter who's going to be talking about it, I'll go out and interview people. I would love a presenter who's really going to talk to us about what's going on with the constituents in Hypericum. There's a lot of them. And they're interesting alkaloids. There's Hypericin, of course. Alkaloids are usually named after the plant they're first found in with an I-N or an I-N-E ending. So there's Hypericin. But it's not just Hypericin. There's Hypericin A and Hypericin B. And there's also Pseudohypericin. And then there's Hyperflorin. And those are just some of the alkaloids. And I I don't know, but I would love to hear from someone. This is the one that makes you sensitive to the sun. This is what happens when it gets dry. This is why you're not getting an effect from it when you're making tincture of the fresh plant. Those kinds of, kind of I don't know, maybe scientifically arcane things. I would love to, to have a presenter who presents on that. Mm. I, I, I'm doing these conferences because I want to learn more. I agree. Yeah, the, the comfrey presentations that included the constituents and then what happened when the plant was heated or dried or put into oils. It was very interesting to learn more about the constituents and how they reacted to different processes. Yes, we have quite a few people who are going to give us the mythological, spiritual, and like that side of Hypericum. And that's, that's good because there's, there's a lot of that associated with this plant. And I think I mentioned to you that we went up to Herb Hill and we got a, a really wonderful stuff of Gretchen Gould talking about Hypericum on tape for the conference. And... Um, talking about a lot of things, especially um, her great thrill at how quickly the oil relieves muscle cramping. Mm. But there's still room for you if you want to make a presentation. What's What's your relationship? I'm talking to all of you. What's your relationship with Hypericum? What can you share? It's really pretty easy to be a presenter. You have to come up with at least three 10-minute videos. But, hey, that's really, like, pretty easy about some specific thing with Hypericum. For the shorts, you don't have to be specific. You can kind of ramble and do various things. So get out there while the Hypericum perforatum is in bloom and make some oil and make some tincture and make some videos. Yeah, and I would encourage anyone. Um, <clears throat> she's a really powerful plant. Some of the presenters have been emailing me um, because I've been also sending out contracts after we've been getting applications. And it's been interesting to hear, it seems, some of the presenters are having um, extra 
interactive <laughs> summers with hypericum it seems like it's a it's a very reciprocal thing as the percent presenters are stepping in hypericum is really showing up for some of them um so it's it's she's a very powerful plant i would say the same is true for me and i've learned a lot about jeanette le which i won't call her joan of anything anymore because I learned where that name came from and it's so interesting. Um, so Joanne Le Pocel has um, how um, Joan, um, you know, announced herself when she was brought into court. And I just found that fascinating. It opened so many doors of understanding for me about Joan and who she was. Wow. <laughs> because what does Pocel mean? It means the maid. And not as in cleaning the house, as in milking. Oh, the milkmaid. Milk so oh my God. it came to me. Yes, of course she was so in touch with the land. And um, I, I truly believe she was um, very in touch with the energy of the, the land through the animals, almost like you spoke of by looking at the pasture and thinking of day and knowing that you're consuming everything in the pasture because day consumed the pasture. So I just got a new sense of her as an energy worker and all of the information that she was able to bring as a young teenage girl to these, you know, battle-hungry men and, and save her country without um, being a fighter. Like, she, she had a sword, but it was more just to raise um, as they charged in. And she was more the strategist. She knew what to do. She led the way. She was in touch. So it's been very interesting. And the Ark is her father's name. And she was actually from a very matrimonial community. So if anything, she would have taken her mother's name. But that is not how she announced herself in court. She did not use her mother's name. But I just find it fascinating that we use her father's name. And then also they tried to suggest that part of the reason she had fits and craziness was because of her exposure to raw milk. So it's like, oh, my gosh, we're going all the way back there. Oh, my gosh. What? Yes. Fascinating. So there's so, so much. And then Poison Ivy, not to to talk too much, but Poison Ivy showed up by my barn. And I'm like, where are you coming from? Why are you doing this? And it came to me because of hypericum. And would you know, I have now tried both the oil and the tincture on the Poison Ivy. And it is the best, the best Poison Ivy remedy I've tried. Oh, my gosh. My friend came over Yes, and my friend said she held up both. That's worth a short. Well. (laughs) That's a hypericum short. Right? Even if you just, like, hold it up and grin and say, just what you said, I tried it on poison ivy and it's the best. That's a short. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I I gave it to a friend and she did and said the same. (laughs) And I'll tell you, in the comfy conference, I learned a lot from the presenters, but what I really loved was the shorts. Mm. Yeah. It reminded me of going to the movies when I was young. And yeah, you know, you got a feature film, often a double feature film, but you also got a newsreel, a travelogue, um, sometimes a fashion piece, um, and usually, you know, some ongoing story, you know, like Flash Gordon or something like that. And of course, cartoons! <gasps> And so to me, the shorts are like that early movie experience I had where you get all of these short things along with your main presentation. 
Oh, yeah, they are fun. Yeah. Yeah. With Zara on the Comfrey Conference even providing a bit of a cartoon. Oh. Do you remember Queen Zara making the Comfrey poultice and then raising the bowl and smashing her face into it? No, I have not even had a chance to watch all the shorts. I'm being 100% honest. Oh, it is <laughs> so funny. And she lowers wow. the bowl, and there she is staring out at you through this comfrey dripping off her face. And oh then she God. takes both hands, and she starts rubbing it all over her face. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm excited for her Hypericum appearances, though. She's going to be a presenter, everyone, at Hypericum, and she has a lot of fun stuff planned. <laughs> he sure does. Yes, she went from doing shorts for Comfrey to being a presenter for Hypericum, and that's just the kind of progress we hope you all make. <laughs> yeah. You find out how easy and fun this is, and what a great time we all have. Um as we get to it, because you have access to that comfrey conference anytime you want. You can go flip through and see if you can find Queen Zara's comfrey poultice. Yes, I do. I, there's only five minutes. shorts that I can watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So hooray for Hypericum, and come and join us. Be a presenter. Do some shorts. Or, if not, after the beginning of the year, we'll be letting you register for it. Meanwhile, I guess we should talk about our guest tonight, huh? Mm, Because mm -hmm. we have a really interesting guest tonight, Natalie Brown, a composer, educator, sound healer, and multi-instrumentalist who has traveled the world performing, recording, and teaching music. She started violin at age four. And Mm. she's the founder of Sounds Heal Studio. We're going to get to hear a lot more from Natalie Brown at 9 o'clock. East Coast time, so stick with us until then or come on back and find out what Natalie Brown is doing and how she's combining Reiki, craniosacral therapy, Qigong, and healing with sound. Wow. Hmm. Anybody with a question tonight? Uh we have four hands that have been raised with questions, and I'll remind everyone listening that if you have a question tonight and would like to get yourself lined up in the queue, you'll need to press one uh, so that we see that your hand is raised. Uh, the first caller that has a raised hand is dialed in from a long number that begins with 346. From the 346, you are live with Susan. Hello, good evening. This is Nicole calling in from across the ocean. Um, hi, Nicole. Uh, Which ocean? Hi, Susan. Hi, Sarah. Um, across the Atlantic. I'm over here in okay. Spain. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am calling tonight with um, a comment and a question and now listening to all the Hypericum talk. 
just to share that it's been a very hypericum summer and I when you when you were talking about Zara's um short I actually also like Sarah Ellen I haven't gotten through all of them yet so I haven't seen that one um but it reminded me of something I've been doing that maybe I could share with people who might be at this at that stage right now um, because I've been straining out all of my oils because here in Spain, like our flowering season is pretty early. So it's been more than six weeks already. Um, with like the spent flowers, I didn't want to like get rid of them. I hate wasting anything. So I put them in little like plastic baggies, like in handfuls sizes and froze them. And now when I like go down to the river or something with my dog, like I just bring one of those frozen little baggies and like wrap it up nice and tight. And then when I get there, I, it's like already defrosted because it's so hot. I use that as like exfoliating on my legs and then like let it rinse off into the river and it's really nice. So that's a nice tip if people don't want to waste the Oh, thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I feel like it can't be bad for the river because it's like olive oil and flowers, which both of those things grow next to the river, so it's fine. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. So I was now, here's the question. Does it stain your legs red? No, it does not. <laughs> It does not. Maybe a little bit golden. Maybe a little bit golden. A little bit golden. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then do yeah. you use the oil as a sunscreen? Of course I do because that's the added benefit because when you rub it all over your body, not only are you, like, exfoliating and then getting the oil on your body, but then it's like a sunscreen for your walk back home. And it's also, like, really relaxing and stuff. So it's it's wonderful. It's, like, a really nice experience. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice. The overall yeah. body muscle relaxation helps to move you into a pleasant mood. Hey, yes, it definitely does. It definitely oh, does. I never thought of it with... That's brilliant. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, it's, I don't know. I've done it a few times now, and it's always really nice. And the other day, I went to the river, and I forgot to bring a little baggie with me, and I was like, oh, no, I don't have my Hypericum, um fun, like, spa moment. Right. Um, so, yeah. I hope you didn't get sunburned. Well, actually, I did, and so I did get sunburned on one of my river walks, and it was the day that I didn't do that. Um, I mean, there were a few days that I didn't do that, but I was yeah, I was I joking a little, but I also thought that it was pretty likely you would have gotten sunburned. It's the way that it acts as a sunscreen is so natural that after you yeah. do it a while, you don't even really think it's working. Yeah, yeah, I I haven't used like store-bought sunscreen in years, like not at all. And I live in Spain, so. And that store-bought sunscreen is expensive. It's expensive, and I honestly have the sensation that it makes me burn. Well, when I used it years ago, I would, like, burn much more because it would wear off and it, like, had done something to my skin that would make me more susceptible to the the sun. I don't know. I, I 
not a fan. And I think that whereas the hypericum oil seems to teach the skin how to be better in the sun. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And even though I did burn like my chest the other day, um, maybe about like a week and a half ago, I just, as soon as I got home, I put on my hypericum oil and I was putting it on like maybe three times a day, which was nice. And I didn't peel or anything and now it's fine. So Yes. After, See, I would love to have a center who focuses on hypericum and burns, both preventing burns and treating burns including preventing mm-hmm. and treating radiation burns. I mean, this is one of yeah. the really strong uses that is known among a certain group of people. And then out, outside that reasonably small group, it's somehow not known. Mm-hmm. It, was one, it was one of the first things that I read about it in this kind of weird way the this writer was going on about how during the crusades the infidels poured boiling oil on the crusaders mhm and the crusaders okay. healed those burns with hypericum wow okay yeah well they they such, call it like such the... a stunning image all around for me yeah, oh my gosh. But they, they call Right, I mean, just the whole thing, you like, know, tromping away from your country to somebody else's country and, like, you know, yeah. with being violent with them, and then they're going to pour boiling oil on you. It's like, oh, what? And then, and then you, don't ha- you don't have hospitals and skin grafts or anything to deal with that. And oil burns are bad. Yeah. And you would... You wouldn't think that putting oil on a burn would be a good idea. But it is. But somehow hypericum oil on a burn doesn't make it crisp, doesn't do anything except the skin really heals rapidly and well. Mhm. Absolutely. And like regenerates and I feel like it like you said it kind of over time it it makes your skin more I don't know resilient maybe in in situations like that in the sun or anything. I mean in burn situations hopefully that doesn't happen again, but yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. So Super looking forward to the Hypericum confabulation next year. Um, and I hope lots of people are making Hypericum shorts and everything. That'll be exciting. And so I was calling. Well, I had another comment, and then I had a, a question, a health question about myself. Um, okay. The other comment I wanted to say is that <laughs> that lots of people, when they call, um, maybe it's like the first time listening to you. And they're shocked about, like, not being able to eat raw fruit or raw vegetables. And I remember when I first heard that, I was also shocked because I loved, like, drinking smoothies and eating apples and (laughs) things like that. But, I, I mean, I still will eat an apple. Like, I'll bring an apple with me on a walk and I'll eat it. Like, it's not a big deal if I eat the apple. Um, maybe I'm not getting as much from it if it's not, like, baked or cooked in, or dried. But what I do do to get more nutrients out of my fruit is, like, freezing my fruit. So I put lots of fruit and even, like, some 
I had a big bag of kale from my landlord and I just put that in the freezer and I use that in smoothies. And so I feel like freezing the fruit makes it more bioavailable, hopefully. And so Absolutely. I feel like that's a good it's way to... It's one of the to... five ways to break cell walls is to freeze. Exactly. So you can still get your nice, cool, fresh fruit on a summer afternoon if you're freezing it. Even frozen grapes. My mom likes to eat frozen grapes, just like pop them in her mouth. Oh, um, frozen grapes. Oh, they're so good. Frozen, they're so good, right? Um, yeah. And another thing that I was like really, I don't know, the other day I thought to do it, maybe a few weeks ago, and it's been like my favorite summer snack, is cutting up like maybe two peaches and putting them into a glass jar and then putting like a spoon, a heaping spoonful of honey and then, like, shaking up the jar and then leaving it in the fridge for, like, half a day or overnight or something. And I don't know if that's breaking down the cell wall, but it's delicious. So I feel like, because honey, you it can is, put honey on garlic. It is good, but if it's just refrigerated, the cell walls are probably not broken. All right. But it's still delicious, and I'll enjoy it. <laughs> it's still crushing. Um, it definitely gets softer. Definitely gets softer. And, like, all the juices come out, and then, like, at the bottom of the jar, there's, like, a whole bunch of juice that that wasn't there. Very nice, yeah. It's it's yummy. Yeah, yeah, delicious. Sounds really good. And icy cold on a hot afternoon. Okay, so health question. I, uh, about a month ago, I, like, looked at the bottom of my foot, and I think that I have a plantar's wart. And I was, like, looking at it for a while, and I wasn't sure what it was. It wasn't, like, hurting or anything. Um, And then one day I just had a flash, and I was like, it's obviously a plantar's wart. And it's in the exact spot where I had a plantar's wart maybe 20 years ago when I was a very young child. And If it's not painful, leave it alone. If it's not painful, leave it alone. Okay, because I have to do stuff to it. It's not going to hurt you or anybody else. It really only needs to be dealt with if it's in a place where it hurts, and they can hurt. Because it's like a wart that sort of out goes in, and if it's a place where you step and you step on it, it's like stepping a little hard thing. Exactly. Exactly. But if it's in in a place, and it sounds like it, where you're not stepping on it and it doesn't hurt, like, eh. You know, body glitch number 27, what can we say? All right. Okay, that makes me feel better. But it's my boyfriend said the same thing. He's like, "Don't touch it. You're doing all these things to it." But it's on like the like the sole, like the ball of my foot. And uh-huh. the reason why I'm con- it's not like hurting, but I'm afraid it's going to get bigger. And I am going on like an 80 mile hike in the middle of of August, like over like six days. I'm going to the north of Spain and walking. And I mean, I don't think in the next three or four weeks it's going to get like much bigger and be a problem but I walk a lot and I don't want to I hear you does it hurt it doesn't hurt but now that it like got in my head so I've been like visiting the celandine the more you do to it the more likely it is to hurt okay and chuck a small potato into your pack if it starts to hurt cut a thin slice of potato and tape it over it Okay. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. The, I'm starch, not gonna... in the, the so... starch in the potato will calm.
calm it down and make it not hurt. Okay. All when right. I used so. when I used to do a lot of hiking, and I was just saying to somebody the other day, I said, you know, it's probably unlikely that I will ever do solo backpacking trips again. Mm. That that was interesting, but I would always take comfrey ointment with me because if I got a blister. Mm-hmm. I would put comfrey mm-hmm. ointment on it every five minutes until the blister reabsorbed. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got all that planned. My comfrey, my comfrey. Well, was, Good. Yeah, I have oil, right. but yeah, and my hyperion yeah, too. Hyperion. All right. Ointment. Don't leave home without our friends. Exactly. Exactly. What's the legal situation right. in Spain? What's the legal situation in Spain? Can you? Buy Hypericum products in Spain? Yes, you can. Yep, you can buy um, the tincture. Do people come across beautiful plants at Hypericum? I'm teaching. (laughs) Apparently it's banned in France. Yeah, no, I I don't know how it is in France, but here, no problem. Uh You can get it in most herbal shops. Made as a tincture, made as an oil, but it's also available as a loose dried herb, right? Yes, it is available as a loose dried herb, um, which, mm, I mean, I don't want to use it because I don't want to use the dried herb, but I did use the dried herb to uh, to dye, and it has very different results from the fresh plant, so it's interesting. Uh Um, Aha, I was going to say, and did you dye with it because I know you're the dyer. I did. I did. I dyed with the dried herb from the shop, and I dried. I dyed with the the fresh herb, and really interesting results, and really beautiful everything. Oh wow! Um, but yeah. Really? So, all right. Well, thank you. I'm not going to touch it. So I was like putting like little squares of duct tape on it because I remember you said something about duct tape on a warp. But don't do that either. Just let it breathe, and it'll go away. <laughs> Generally will go away. If you want to put some duct tape on it, it's not probably not going to hurt it. That's for okay. the other kind of warts, and I don't know if it'll work for oh. plant heart. But okay. it won't hurt you. So yeah, no, but don't, it won't hurt. don't dig at it or put caustic things on it. That's what I'm no. saying. Don't, don't, um, I was just putting some. Don't get all heroic right on it. Yes. I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Eighty mile walk in six days. All right. Yeah, yeah, but but we're going like with a group of people, and we're actually we have um, like a van that's going to carry our bags, so we just have to walk. So it's not like oh, we're carrying. Oh, like, you didn't have to have a backpack. Ah, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have a little backpack, a little one for the. So you're gonna do, you're gonna do ten to fifteen miles a day. Exactly. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some days a little bit longer, some days a little bit shorter, but more or less around there. That's quite doable. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I normally walk between five and ten miles a day, anyway. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm so, not concerned. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. All right. Well, thank you so much, and All right. I'll let the oh, other callers. Thanks for, thanks for staying up so late right, to call. Great night. Right. I know. I'm going to bed now. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Ciao. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. And there are four callers. Have, have, you, have, seen, have, you, seen, have you seen any of her shorts at the Conference? Nicole? 
Yeah. I have only seen like two of all of the shorts. So no, oh, I have not. Well, seen she she started doing shorts and she just got totally, really carried away in the most beautiful way, and she's mm-hmm. dying world with country in different parts oh. of the country. More than it's thrilling to see. Wow. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm looking forward to having enough time to sit down and watch some stuff online. People are that. so inventive with the ways they use herbs. And they're just, you know, it's just, there's so many ways to ally and to um, be gifted by the plants. Mm. Mm. So true. So, so true. Hey, some of my calendulas started flowering. Oh, wow. Remember when I, wow. back when I planted calendula seed from Seth from last year? And now it's flowering. Thanks, Seth. All oh, right. I think you said there are more people with questions. Yes, there are. There are four callers that have pressed one and have their hand raised. The next caller is dialed in from the 831 area code. From the 831, you are live with Hello, Lady Hi. It's Josh from the Redwood Forest. Oh, how wonderful to hear you. Yeah, I just wanted to give you an update on our daughter, Zora. Thank you. She's um, 10 months now. Named Zora after her grandmother on my wife's side and Suzanne after my grandmother. Ah. Yeah, she's, we've been feeding her on um, goat milk and infusion one-to-one, and that's been, I don't know, two, three months now, uh-huh. and we just went and saw the doctor and doctors. It's, I wish I you know, could have like a dialogue and, and say, you know, hey, you know, what do you know, and this is what I know, and what can we share together, but in any case, she's um, in height and weight. She's in the 80th to 90th percentile. So when she was a baby, she was actually kind of small. So she's really grown, and I see, like, queen of the world in, in her eyes when I when I look at her. She's such a powerful little baby already. Someone gave me a sign, which I proudly posted in my kitchen, which says, queen of damn near everything. <laughs> if you could great. find one of those for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll put it above her bed. Oh, I am so thrilled to hear that. We had some friends who raised a baby on goat's milk, not with the infusions, but just the goat's milk. And by the eighth or ninth month, there was one particular nutrient deficiency. I don't remember what it was, but I could find out for you if you wanted to. That's something to to keep in mind. We feed her a pretty broad diet otherwise, too. She, you know, she'll, I'm cooking some chard right now. It's in an hour and a half so far. And she eats that just from my hand. Like, I'll just give her, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, but she's getting a pretty broad diet. I'm not really that concerned about it. Um, but we'll see as we go. You know, my, my doctor um, said that uh, something that can be a problem is an iron deficiency with cow's yeah. milk. So, yes. um, you know, we can do the test if, if there's a concern. If there's a concern, right. 
or give her a little molasses, which is a great source of iron. Oh, molasses. Okay. I was thinking a little bit of beef, but it still seems a little bit uh, toothy for a, a baby so small. Yes. Yeah, but molasses is easy for her. And it doesn't okay. carry much botulinus like honey does. Wonderful. Perfect. Yeah, she's a little ill. She got a fever yesterday, and I, I picked two elderflowers, and I gave her the first one today and some tea and a little bit of goat's milk, and she went right to sleep and a little cranky, but, you know, staying on mom and dad today, not wanting uh, to fall around. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Love you, Susan. Yeah. Thank you. Love you, too. Thanks for the update on Zora. Ciao. Zora Suzanne. All right. Oh, were you going to say something, Susan? Nope. Okay. All right. We will go to our next caller with their hand raised, who is dialed in from the 352 area code. From the 352, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. It's Carol. How are you? I am well, Carol. From Good. Uh, I definitely am going to contribute to the um, shorts or the I've, – I've had some really great – I don't know, last year we did a lot of comfrey oil. Um, but I'm, I think I'm going to do an experiment on the comfrey oil for the sun thing because my – three of my daughters swear it keeps their tan. It keeps what they've got going and but I have to tell you this really funny story Susan she took a bottle of my St. John's work tinctures because they kind of raid my cabinet and t- brought it to the pool and I was like we need she said do you have any oil because I had two daughters and a grandchild are going to the pool she grabbed the tincture so she's standing by the pool with all these people next to us and she starts opening the jar and puts it on her but she's looking at the people next to and they're smelling it they're going what are you putting on you and she's like what do you, and then she smells the alcohol. She's like, this is tincture. <laughs> so like, <laughs> she's like, don't put this on the baby. It's alcohol and we'll be thrown out of here. <laughs> but the, uh, I put, mixed the St. John's oil with shea butter and it makes, you can see the difference on the skin. Like it, it, it's, it's, more, it's not, I don't like calling it a sunscreen because it's really not screening. It's making your skin adapt. Thank you. That's really smart. I really hear you. It's not screening out the sun. It's giving you Hypericum's ability to thrive in the sun. Exactly. I mean, that's why it comes from the Mediterranean. Doesn't Susie... uh, um, the Barclay Levy, she talks about this why the Mediterranean children have such nice skin because of this hypericum oil. But I'm definitely going to contribute because I got, I've got some. Um, um, do you know where Russell, New York is? No. It's it's um, Stevenson, maybe an hour out of Auburn. That sounds like maybe anyway. Western New York. No, it's. It's Western New York. It's about two hours from Catskill because I going going there. I kind of pa- I pass through your town, and you know the Woodstock okay. area to get so it, to get into the festival. You can still go a couple of hours north from from me. Oh, 
Yep, that's exactly what I did too. Yeah, it's north. I'm going to up, there. Up I'm north, going to do a northern. study on some. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, just New York goes pretty far north. In fact, all the way up to Canada, right? You are absolutely correct, and it's, so it's up there. It's near Massachusetts. Uh, it's like a two-hour drive to Massachusetts. I'm okay. not. I'm not that far of a Yankee, but I'm just. I'm from D.C., but I live here in Nashville now. Um, <laughs> okay. I have some friends. These kids at this. So I'm going up to a festival. I cook for it, and it's a side ah. festival. But kids from Harvard and all this, and they are addicts to my herbs and stuff. So I cook. I'm like, do all the cooking for the all the people. I have three children, three of those youth that they're not youth. They're 40 years old or something. They are like they use my St. Jones work tincture as if it's. <laughs> I mean, it is gotten them off all their job. I'm like, no, you can't be that dependent on me. I only got a half gallon left, you know. And I go find your own. And so, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna study them. I'm gonna I'm gonna make this. Part of the what you want somebody to do is get some studies on that stuff. So I'll do that. Thank you. Thank you because I know it's going on. I know that people are getting off drugs by taking drugs antipericum, and yet everywhere what you read is you can't do that. Well, I think what I'd like to do. What do you think of this thought? Is given these um, people, these guys, they're guys, and they're, they're like Harvard kids and stuff, but they. If I like say, can you take the dried tincture for a week and then go to the fresh tincture and then note your differences or like how would I conduct something like that? You could do something like that. More what I'm really interested in is um, because I don't think there's much dried tincture available. Um, I think the dry. You think all the Saint John's were tinctures, like from herb farm and stuff, and you know, it's like they're all fresh, from fresh flowering. I think all from fresh material. I think you get oh, the dried when you get it in capsules, and that the studies have been done on capsules, which is why okay. it gets banned or why people get afraid of it. And the what I so far what I have been told is that the that ban it is because of the studies that show that it causes the liver to clear drugs very quickly. When it's an encapsulated, dried, crushed, and put in capsule form. I mean, right. that's a no-brainer. But you're saying that, that most of the And that means are from- that you could die because you wouldn't have the protection or the help of your drug if you were taking Hypericum. But I know a lot of people, and I suspect that you do too, who take Hypericum pretty regularly for muscle pain or for whatever, and who take drugs on a daily basis. For sure. In fact, that's everybody on the stud, you know. Like, I just that, wonder how that thing is. Done. Wouldn't it be fascinating to just, you know, on video, talk to these people. What drugs are you taking? How often do you take Hypericum tincture? Okay. What, you know, have you noticed any interaction for two years? I asked everywhere I went, and I contacted close to 8,000 people in those two years, which is, I thought was a reasonably large segment of people using herbs, and asked them to tell me about any herb-drug interactions, including ones especially from Hypericum, and nobody had any. 
Well, I wonder how the how the study gained so much traction. Um, but I'll do that. Because, so because I, they I, use the dried plant material, but the people I'm talking to are using what you're using is fresh tincture. So you're saying Herb Farms tincture, you're, you know, is coming from that. So like you said, you're not sure about the motherwort. I don't know it. I'm pretty certain. I mean, it's so easy to make dried, dried tinctures. You just go to the dried plant, and then you just make a tincture. But it, that's why the, the quality's already different. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here, let me, um, so anyway, St. John's Wort, there's a shrub called Hypericum that's in that family. Yeah. That doesn't have the same qualities, does it? It doesn't have the same, it's only Hypericum perforatum. I, okay, I knew that was true. All right, so can we discuss from your first book, Childbirth, Childbearing Year, um, you talked about the labor initiators. Now there's all kinds of controversy over this black and blue from midwives that are not herbalists. And um, I would like to get your input on black and blue cohosh and the little castle induction thing, and then talk about cotton root bark, mistletoe, shepherd's purse, what their interactions are with hemorrhages, or have I already overstretched my <laughs> I am at Herb Farm's website, and it says in bold letters, made from fresh plants, freshly harvested. Wait. Well, now I can refer them to get their herbs from them because I'm running low, especially when they're putting on the skin. I think everybody's tincture is made from the fresh plant. I think that's oh man, you that need to make tincture from news. the fresh plant. Um, Far and, out. You know, and a good point. Let's be sure that we're clear about that during the conference too. That we're really talking about the fresh plant tincture. I was just it really means day, everything. Do I need to re-video that little introductory piece I did about comfrey? And I thought, yeah, you do. You do. You can't just, like, recycle it. You should really, you know, redo it for Hypericum because there's slightly different things we need to pay attention to. It's still the and, same. And fresh and dried are something we do need to pay attention to. Right. What part, when harvested, how prepared, what dose? We still need to pay mm -hmm. attention to those four things. But there's slightly different nuances that are important here. Absolutely. Like the oil matter, the medium sometimes isn't as important as when you're harvesting. But the fresh, this is good news about Herb Farm. Yay, yay, yay. Hey, hey, hey. So talk to me about blue and black cohosh, which I went through Okay, a while blue ago. and black cohosh. First now, of all, co I know they're not related cohosh, at all. First of all, cohosh is a word like dock and wart. So we have mother wart, we have St. Jones wort. Wort means weed or plant. A wort crafter is another name for an herbalist. Dock means big leaf. We have yellow dock. We have burdock. We have elf dock. We have heel dock. They're plants with big leaves. These words aren't botanical words, and they don't indicate relationships. Our Co family members are nothing. They're not family members at all. Right, right. That's what I mean. Yeah, I so hear you. means root. So blue cohosh and black cohosh are completely different plants. It's completely they are. different. Blue cohosh is one of the few plants that contains oxytocin. And May oxy I interrupt you for one second and say that Please. when I saw blue cohosh for the first blue cohosh root for the first time, 
and the mountain, my mountain man friend was, you know, showing me, it looks like a woman's bush. And I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it's such a groovy root system. It sure I mean, is. And when you look at the above ground part, it, one stalk comes up and it breaks into three stalks. And each yep. one of those three stalks has three smaller stalks. With three leaves on it. Yep, that's it's three, three, three. I and mean, they're tender just, and they're sweet. It's and tender. they're blue. They're really blue when it emerges from the ground. The way nettle is purple when it comes up, blue cohosh yes. is blue. Not like navy blue. It's kind of a powdery blue, but it's really blue. And the oh. berries can be kind of a powdery blue when when they're not ripe. So oxytocin causes uterine contractions. When the uterus contracts, you can menstruate or you can give birth. That's what uterine contraction is about. So if you're not pregnant and you take a uterine contractor, you can menstruate. If you are pregnant and you take a uterine contractor, you can abort or you can give birth depending on how far along the pregnancy is. Black cohosh is an antispasmodic. And, I, and I've used it for coughing spasms, and uh, first, exactly what you're saying. And I keep going. I'm listening. I'm so sorry. That's good. No, it works really well as an antispasmodic. Blue cohosh grows pretty far away from people and likes to hide. Black cohosh uh-huh. is happy to grow right next to people's houses. It won't naturally grow next to people's houses. It will naturally grow in the deep woods. But it's become a landscape plant, and it will happily grow next to people's houses. Yeah, it has become a landscape plant. You're right. It grows all along the Shenandoah. But keep going. So go ahead. And the relationship between the two, and what, where, why are these midwives so talking weird about it lately? Together because one causes cramps and the other relieves it. And then, okay, so that sounds like maybe an oxymoron, or no. The cramp, the uterine cramping caused by oxytocin can be so severe that it's nice oh, to have it okay. as modest like like to ease it. Modifies it. Right. It gentles it. I love it. Now, okay. an anonymous midwife and I um, did a hour and a half teleseminar on herbal abortion past, past, present, and future. And she uses black cohosh root tincture with the drug that you can get. There are two morning after pills that you need to take, first one, then the other. And the one you can't... One you can get pretty easily, but the other one you can't get very easily. Oh. And she uses black cohosh in place of that one you can't get. What we can say about all cohoshes, all roots, is that all roots have phytosterols. All roots are sources of hormones. Think wild yam root and birth control pills. All roots oh, wait a minute. Say, I'm that again. All roots are psychosterols? Are sources of oh, phytosterols. 
Vito means plants. Sterols means hormones. Correct. So some, often people will say, oh, that plant contains estrogen, or that plant contains this hormone or that hormone. Probably like not. Like they do with red clover. Right. There's probably not that hormone in the plant because plants in general don't have human hormones. They have plant Correct. hormones. Right but they do have sterols, they have phytosterols, and sterols are the building blocks of hormones. I dig it. Okay. So any plant root can be used to help the body make hormones. Right, and we're not non-specific. <laughs> So ginseng is a root. It helps men make more testosterone. So it's, you know, the root of virility. And for, you know, hundreds of years, women weren't allowed to use it because, after all, we don't want virile women. But (laughs) (laughs) But it doesn't do that to women, right? (laughs) I love this. Of course, and there's do equal hormones, man. I mean, you can't. Right, in the same like, way. They're like I, the hypothalamus of the plant. Right. In the same way, Vitex is thought of as a woman's herb and it helps women be fertile, but guess what? It works for men, too. And salt palmetto, it's not just a men's herb, it works for women, too. So, berries and roots salt palmetto berries, Vitex berries, ginseng root, black cohosh, blue cohosh, wild yam. Right, all of these roots, and then almost every part of members in the pea and bean family, which is why red clover. Oh, now I got it. So, like, um, so cotton root bark would be if you had a hormonal. Uh, there'd be a reason to want to deal with it on a, like mistletoe or shepherd's purse is trying to quick act, whereas right. the cotton the root plants are trying to adjust the hormonal reason why there's a bleed out or whatever is happening. Exactly. So the mistletoe exactly. and the shepherd's purse are for, you need something to happen quick. Right now. Oh, this is great. Brilliant. Brilliant, I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the menopause book, I talk at length about phytosterols. And look and at book? the, the my menopause book, New Menopausal Years. Oh, okay. All right. I got it. And right, I talk about you know, plants that are exceptionally rich in phytosterols and what those can do when you use them. Plants that are more food-like rich in phytosterols, like carrots and, you know, um, blueberries, man. right? And the plants that are going to have a medicinal effect but are kind of in between the really heavy-duty ones and the food so that we have choices about phytosterols. And, of course, as we know, how we prepare that is going to make a difference, too. The study that I always come back to was a very simple study. They took 100 women and fed them a cup of cooked beans. Okay. Now, yeah. if, if those beans, which contain phytosterols, there's seeds and the bean family, so they're very rich in them, if those phytosterols are actually converted into active hormones in the woman's body, then that metabolic process creates byproducts which wind up in the urine. So we can 
pretty much measure how much of these byproducts there are and know how much of the phytosterols the woman used. By by knowing what it is beforehand and then what she urines out excess. And then you no, that not an excess. I mean, no. the urine. We said the, the women beans, and then they digested those beans. And depending on the microbiome in your gut, you will, you will activate more or less of those phytosterols into hormones that can, you can use. Oh. And the more, the more you activate, the more byproduct you make that's in the urine. So we measure the byproduct in the urine. Okay, we understood, understood. We can measure how much activity. And we then divided those women into quadrants. The 25 who got the most hormones from the beans, the next 25, the next 25, and the 25 who got the least. In other words, the 25 who had the highest amount of these metabolic byproducts in the urine, the next 25, the next 25, and the 25 who had the least amount. And then we followed them out for 10 years looking at breast cancer. And the ones who had the least in the urine were about 400 times more likely to get a breast cancer diagnosis than the ones who had st- same, <laughs> same cup of beans. There's a whole lot of thought going into that, too, as you said, about the microbiome and the Exactly, because phytosterols aren't already hormones. They have to be fermented out by your gut flora. And then... And they attach the fat, active. right? Like, they, they don't... They need the fat. They need fat. Hormones are size kinds of fats, correct. Oh, Susan, this, um, appreciate this is a lot of time you just spent with me, and I really appreciate it. This, I mean, you this is really, really great. Fascinating topic, and I think it's something that when we understand it, it really helps us be healthy. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, thank you so much. I appreciate it very much. Welcome. I'm looking forward to the next caller. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings, Susan. I'll make sure to sign up to help with that. Hypericum Conference. Oh, goody. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Green blessings. Good night. All right. And we have one caller that has pressed one to raise their hand. And you have dialed in from the 323 area code. From the 323, you are live with Susan. Hi. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Um, That's all right. Hi. Hi. Hi, Susan. This is Ananda Sunglow calling from California, and um, wonderful um, <clears throat> information that I'm hearing. Um, I also take um, a lot of St. John's work, um, and uh, but I don't usually mix it with medicine just once in a while, but I, I've been taking it. It's a great ally. Um, I'm tell calling us, because... Tell us more. What kinds of things do you take it for? How does it help you? Well, I had an issue with um, sort of like a sciatica kind of thing and um, and was having like uh, sort of like pain and discomfort in my leg. And um, 
for a, a, a long time, but it doesn't bother me. It, it absolutely healed. And um, I attribute it to the, to not only the St. John's work, but also I've been taking the uh, CB, um, CBD a lot. You know, just All right, it. yeah. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, well, how did you start walking so regularly again? They, people just thought I was going to be almost in a wheelchair. And I had to really think about what I've been doing every day. And that's the two things that I really consistently have been doing. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that with us. Mm-hmm. And I'm calling you because it seems that I got diagnosed with COVID, and uh, which is really a surprise to me, but I was really not eating the way I usually do and kind of got off. And my immune system got down, and it's it's getting much better. But I'm just wondering what herbs you would prescribe for a strengthening, just the, the fatigue part. So tell me this: Are you drinking a quart of nourishing herbal infusion every day? I have. I have to say that I have. I have skipped that lately, and I definitely have to get back into it. That I that I think is critically important. In addition to drinking a quart of nourishing herbal infusion, on the majority of days, maybe 28 days out of 30, I eat between half a cup and a cup of well-cooked greens. Okay. Yesterday I went out and I pulled all the little amaranth plants out of my herb garden and brought them in and washed them up. And I'd also picked a few um, walking onions and planted the bulbs for next year and chopped up the onions and fried them up in a little organic bacon fat and then washed and chopped up my amaranth and threw that in with the, the hot onion, seared that a little bit, and then put a little um, tamari and a handful of water and turned the fire down low and clamped a lid on that and cooked it for about five minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. So I'm eating well-cooked greens on a daily basis. If for some reason you can't do that seaweed, it's a good alternative. Seaweed is great. Okay. But I find that most people have a fairly hard time working into their diet, whereas cooked greens you really can make a commitment to, and you can cook a fair amount and keep it in the refrigerator. <clears throat> and looking for a snack, you know, have a couple of spoons full of greens with a cracker. Yes. Just make it just make it a real goal of yours to eat more cooked greens. I think that's one of the the best ways to um improve immune function. As you probably know, I am a real a grouchy bear about what essential oils do to your immune system. And that most people's environment, even if they think they aren't using essential oils, is nonetheless heavily contaminated with essential oils, from the toothpaste they use to their shampoo. So if you think your immune system is having a hard time, do your best to eliminate all sources of essential oils. Okay. I won't even go to a to healing centers where they have essential oil diffusers. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think that I, I have a tooth that needs work, and I think that helped bring my immune system down because I, th- th- I got a toothache around the same time that just I, hit me. 
Yep. I, I don't think that it's your immune system down. I think it's your immune system busy. Immune system what? Busy. Busy with the infection busy. in your tooth. Yeah. Are you using some echinacea or some poke root or some usnea or some um, herb to help your immune system deal with the infection in your tooth? Uh, echinacea. Okay. And how much echinacea have you been using? Um. I've been <clears throat> I've been doing <clears throat> several dropperfuls a day, at least uh-huh. about. That's six. not nearly enough. Okay. A dose of echinacea is one drop for every two pounds of body weight. That's a dropper full for every fifty pounds you weigh. Okay. So if you weigh more than a hundred pounds, then you need more than two dropperfuls as a dose. And that dose, when there's an infection, like infection in your tooth, I usually mm-hmm. suggest that dose be taken every two or three hours. Okay. Got it. So that would be three or four dropperfuls, and that would be eight to ten times a day. Eight to ten times a day. Okay. Right. So if so, it's three dropperfuls ten times a day. That's thirty dropperfuls, and you're taking two. Okay. That's what I'm saying. It's not anywhere near enough. The dose that you're taking is a good dose to take if you're worried about getting an infection. Sarah and I, at the beginning of the show, were talking about her uh, buck that got a rubber band put around his testicles, which will basically cause them to lose blood supply and die. And the risk of infection is pretty strong in that situation, so I'm encouraging her to give him some echinacea to help the immune system be strong so an infection doesn't set in. But when there's already an infection, echinacea really prompts the release of white blood cells. And the more often we take it, the the more white blood cells there are to keep infection. Got it. I just swallowed some just now. <laughs> Good for you. I like that. Responsive. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that the immune system is like a seesaw or a teeter-totter, right? It has two ends. And the balancing in the middle, and one end deals with bacterial infection, and the other end deals with viral infections. I'm simplifying. And the part that deals with bacterial infections, when it's up, which is is up, because it's you're not your face is not swollen up like in the cartoon, so it's helping you to deal with that infection in your tooth, right? That means that the other side of the teeter totter, the side that deals with viruses is not up, it's down. It's not that your immune system is down, it's that the part that deals with viruses is down. We see this really clearly when people get colds. So the part that deals with the viruses is up, and the part that deals with bacteria is down. And usually, if the person is not careful after a cold, they'll get an itis, which is a bacterial infection, bronchitis or laryngitis or sinusitis. So your immune system, I think, is probably doing 
pretty well because I think you're probably uh, not that far off from treating yourself well. You know, a little, little more nourishing herbal infusion, good thing. More cooked greens, good thing. You know, maybe a little more time outside in the fresh air, really good thing. But I don't think that your immune system is is really depressed or not working well. It's just occupied. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely <Yeah>. occupied. <laughs> yeah, occupied. And, and, <laughs> it, and that's got to take precedence because it, those infections in your teeth can pretty easily get to your heart. Right. Right. The, the blood vessels serve like that part of your face and your heart. So it's like your immune system is like, deal with this, deal with this now. And if you haven't been vaccinated, that leaves a big opening for the COVID virus to get in. And the new variant that's around is super contagious. Yeah. I put on a mask today when I went to get the mail. Oh, my God. (laughs) You know, it's just like, okay, so far so good. So, you know, can I be a little more cautious? I can be cautious. It's okay. I don't have to pretend that COVID is gone. Right. Right. I went to a gym class, a yoga class at the gym with my daughter on Friday. Before we went in, I looked at her and I said, we are engaging in high-risk behavior here. Mm-hmm. And there were people in the class wearing masks. We didn't. But we're vaccinated and boosted, and she's, and she's had it. My daughter's had COVID as well, so she's not too worried. You also know that at wisewomanschool.com, there is a video, free video course on what to do if you have COVID. It's on wise, wise excuse me, wise women. Wisewomanschool.com. W-I-S-E-W-O-M-A-N-S-C-H-O-O-L dot C-O-M. Dot com. Okay. Okay. It's a free course. All righty, that's beautiful. Yeah, and that the comfy conference that we've been talking about is there as well. It costs now. It was free up until we did it, but now that we did it, now it's there. Of course, it costs a little bit, uh, but a lot of good material for not much money. And um, yeah, you'll you'll enjoy yourself when you go there. A lot of fun things. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is I I was hesitant to call. I haven't reached out to anybody, and I said I gotta reach out. <laughs> All right, I'm so glad you did. I am so glad I did too. This is really right. awesome. God bless you. God bless Thank you. Thank you so much. Be well. Right. Green blessing. Green Good blessing. Night. Good night. All right, and I have one caller who has raised his hand, dialed in. From the 208 area code, from the 208, you are live with Susan. Hi, this is Tabitha. Hi, Tabitha. How are you tonight? 
I'm doing well. I'm at work, so I was trying to pop in off and on, but I worked out that I have a moment, so I'll try Good. to make it quick. Um, right. Mainly, I'm calling because I just have kind of this consistent out-of-nowhere headache, and I don't really get headaches. I'm usually overall pretty healthy-seeming. I usually wake up feeling pretty great and can jump out of bed, and overall, I drink my infusions. I have been kind of slacking in the last six months because I waited for an herb order and got them ordered and then got them, and now kind of getting back on my rotation and getting my kitchen cleaned. But overall, I usually try to stick to a good rotation on the infusions. Um, I definitely feel like I probably could eat more things like seaweed and stuff like that always in my diet, but I eat kind of overall whole foods, and I try to eat um, try to eat the green leafy vegetables when I can more. Uh, pretty big meat eater, but kind of just for the last month, I've had this headache that I don't think has even hardly gone away. It seems like I wake up, and not long after I'm awake, I can notice that I still have it, and it kind of, I don't know if it's more in, like, my temple, but it kind of moves from the front of my head to the side of my head to the back of my head. And if I take Tylenol or ibuprofen, it goes right away, and then I'm back to my normal self. But the next day when I wake up, it seems like it's there again. So I'm kind of trying to figure out what it is and how to make it go away. Headaches are quite possibly one of the most difficult things. Right, that's what I almost to wanted to go to the doctor, but finger, that just seems like it would be more of a headache. Yeah. Right. The worst possible cause for a headache is a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't really feel like it would be that out of nowhere, <laughs> and I don't want to go to severe measures of trying to see if that's what it is, but I have exactly. noticed that it's... It's but that's, to be that's, to that's the worst thing that could be happening is that you could have a tumor in your brain, and that definitely gives you a headache. And I know people who've kind of ignored that headache because it's not a huge headache. It's just, as you say, you take a, you know, an ibuprofen and it goes away. Mm-hmm. And they wound up, the ones who actually did have brain tumors, wound up collapsing. Mm-hmm. Right. It's something scary. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so, like, well, you, but you don't have to worry if it's a tumor, like you'll collapse, and then, like, you'll know. Okay, right, okay. <laughs> right? I don't want to go to the doctor and get my head scared. That's right, don't you don't to. want to, so it's okay. If it's if it's a brain tumor, something will happen. Okay. Something large and dramatic will happen. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, some of them are operable, but some of them aren't. Ugh. And uh, what else could be going on just about anything? Right, right. I know really? it could be definitely Just stress or lack any... of sleep, but... I mean, from lack of sleep to pollen in the air to tension over something to, I mean, anything mm-hmm. can make our heads ache. So mm-hmm. who takes care of heads? Cranial sacral specialists. Mm-hmm. So if my head was hurting me, I would find someone who did cranial sacral work and give my head into that one's hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I can just tell it's my body is alerting me now since it's been, it's got my attention for a while. So I'm like, okay, I need to need to do something about this. And so here are hands and people who focus on the head and the skull. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just going to seek out a specialist in cranial sacral. That's right. They're right. That's they. They do cranial sacral massage. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. And I thought I kind of had that thought. And um, anyways, just because I kind of had neck problems in the past, also, is I'd get a pinched neck, kind of like a nerve thing. So I've had um, the thought of going or kind of bouncing around in my head. Anyways, so interesting. Yeah, and because they do so much work with heads. They will also be part of your diagnostic team. Not that they will necessarily say, oh, this is what you have. But if something bad is going on, they will be another layer that would notice. Mm -hmm. Right. Something to be like, okay, we can tell something else is going on. Exactly. Because that's what they do all day long, every day, is to have heads in their hands. Yeah, because it's just such a hard elimination game. For the last couple of weeks, I was like, okay, maybe I'll try to see. Oh, it can drive you absolutely doing, nuts. It's giving me more of a headache. <laughs> so, uh, really? Truly can give you more of a headache, you know. Yeah. Everything from brain freeze to from ice cream to, you know, just yeah. the heat yeah. of, a, of a bath. I mean, people... Basically, you have a lot of nerve endings there, and if you if something is going on, you're going to get a headache. Mm-hmm. Headaches in oh. the front. It in, like when I in I Chinese kind of theory are said to be related to the liver. Uh huh. And so I and the know headache that I kind, of kind of comes into the eyes and up into the temples. Then what they uh-huh. say is that the liver is supposed to draw the energy down in the body. And when the liver is not working well, the energy flies up to the head and hurts. Uh-huh. Makes kind of sense. Because I, um, I haven't listened to the show in a while, but I just put it on, I think, the other day for a moment, and I caught a part where you were talking about, I think it was from last week's show, of somebody had called in and, I didn't really get the whole story or anything, but the part I caught was about nausea in the morning and eating some dandelions, and I've always kind of struggled with nausea in the morning, too, and ever since I kind of was pregnant and had my son, and so was, you were saying something about maybe that was with liver also, and so yes. it could yes. very well be my liver calling out for some attention. I think so, and that's easily remedied. Yeah, so I did, um, as soon as I heard you say that, too, I was like, yeah, I can definitely get up in the morning and make myself go pick a dandelion green. Dandelion, so I have no that the last problem. couple of days. <laughs> yeah, and because you have an active symptom, you might even look through your medicine cupboard and see if you have some dandelion tincture and take right, a little bit of that when you feel that headache. And, so and if not dandelion tincture, maybe you have some yellow duck tincture, some burdock tincture, some chicory tincture. The roots of all four of those plants are wonderful for the liver. Yeah, I definitely can do that, too. I can add a little bit more of that into my daily routine for a while. And then yeah. I'm just kind of wondering, because I'm a little worried about how much ibuprofen I have been taking, since I just I never really like to take Tylenol or ibuprofen unless it's severe, but... Lately, when I have to work, I've been taking it, so it was like the last four days. I took it every day, like two a day, so I didn't know if that's going to be severe or damage to my liver. There are a lot of people out there who are taking a lot, lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so kind of just make sure I'm nourishing myself on two, top yeah, of it. Yeah, two, two a day is would be considered very low usage. Okay. 
So not and as, not I, as for big as me, a I would usually take just one because one is plenty okay. for me. Yeah, I can try just one for sure and see how that so goes. Try it, you know, and if one works for you, well, then all the better, right? Yeah. All just right. because it well, says do two doesn't a... mean you have to take two. Right. Well, I'm so thankful for your time, but I have a table waiting for me to get their order, so I better go okay, and okay, check okay. on them. I buy green but blessing. thank you. Thank you, You're green welcome. blessing. All right. There's about a minute and a half before our guest um, time starts. There's one hand, and our guest is in the queue. What would you like to do? I would like to introduce Natalie Brown, composer, educator, sound healer, and multi-instrumentalist. Natalie Brown has traveled the world performing, recording, and teaching music. She was trained classically starting violin at age four. She has taught high school orchestra for 14 years, and she's the founder and operator of Sounds Heal Studio, providing one-on-one and group sound healing sessions and workshops, as well as practitioner training through the International Sound Healing Academy. Natalie is the lead teacher for the Americas for the International Sound Healing Academy. Natalie has completed Nada Yoga teacher training in Rishikesh, India. She's also has training certifications in Reiki, cranial sacral sacred therapy, which we were just talking about, Qigong, and acupressure. Natalie Brown does a podcast, the Sounds Heal podcast, exploring sound. Use for Health and Wellness with interviews with top innovators and practitioners. It has been recognized as one of the top music therapy, sound therapy podcasts on the web. Natalie Brown's goal is to share the benefits of sound healing and help others use sound for self-care, personal growth, and healing. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's so wonderful to um, be here with you. Many, many, many years ago, I was a friend of Kay Gardner. Mm-hmm. This was back in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah. And she was bringing sound healing to the forefront, so far as I know, one of the the pioneers in that. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, and it's and, such a blossoming field now, but you're absolutely right. There was a big, big surge in the 60s and 70s as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and to, and to see, as you say, how it has blossomed out. So tell us about how you came to this and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it seems like it's just been part of my path. I uh, came into the world apparently already knowing how to play violin when it was put in my hands at age four. Uh, That is amazing. Music was pretty natural to me. But, you know, I think I had a sensitivity um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, When I was also that age, I had just gotten ear surgery. I had major hearing loss when I was very young, 
And so I went from my hearing being like I was underwater to all of a sudden having clarity in my, my hearing. So when I started to play violin at that young age, it was a whole body experience. Um, so sound and vibration uh, to me uh, is very much linked to to that experience at, at a really young age. And um, yeah, I was trained as a classical violinist, but even so, uh, as a youngster, I was using music um, to kind of express myself or, or as coping, just when you hear a young child sing a lullaby or hum to themselves, that's kind of what I was doing with the violin too. Uh, if I was stressed out or anxious, I would just kind of work it out with the violin. And that was kind of uh, my path growing up. Um, but sound healing itself, I came to the modality uh, when I was a high school teacher. Uh, you know, I was uh, teaching uh, in an academic setting, uh, but I was stressed out. Uh, it was a very kind of competitive uh, school and orchestra that I was teaching. Um, and so it was time to kind of use my own tools to help for my own self-care. And so I realized I was kind of using sound healing for myself already, just using the most relaxing sounds that I could. Oh, I let me just take that in that stunning because mm. we all we all seek to take care of ourselves. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Some of us grow up in environments where we are given avenues for self care that are actually caring. Mm. And others mm-hmm. of us grow up in environments where the things regarding for self care don't really take care of us like alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Or yeah. certain emotional patterns. Mm-hmm. So you have natural gift for music, which was aided by a sudden emergence of sound to you after years of being underwater. Right. And mm-hmm. it and it literally vibrated through your through every part of your body. It wasn't just a hearing experience or an experience of fingers on on Mm. strings. Mm -hmm. Every part of you was involved in it. Right, right. Wow. It was really personal at first. Yeah, it really was. And then when I realized how beneficial uh, the tools I was discovering was for me uh, in my own stress reduction and relaxation, and that's when I kind of had the aha um, of offering this to others, because actually as a a performer, as a violinist, it was all about um, how good, how perfect can you play, right? Um, um, And and can be very competitive. Um, But what changed for me as a musician was why? (laughs) Why am I playing these notes? What is the purpose, the intent, the energy? How am I expressing myself to then help others? through these sounds I'm creating. People often question me about why I don't listen to recorded music. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I say it's because I don't want to express myself to other people's emotions because most of the time they don't even really understand what they're doing with their music. Yeah. Yep. Sure. I understand that very much. Yeah. 
I'm quite sensitive so to I really recorded music what you're as well. doing. And of course, this was inculcated in with in me by Kay Gardner, who mm-hmm. was you know who thoroughly schooled us in you know uh, what happens when you sing a f- and you know which tones go to each chakra and uh, the different mm-hmm. scales and the scales that were warlike and the scales that were peaceful and it was she was she was just so amazingly mm. um integrated and coherent about what she was talking about yeah right right and you hear a lot so of echoes you, of her and and her work and 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 things that people are teaching now yeah she was very um very very pivotal a person in the field yeah yeah and 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 so it, it, it has very strongly influenced me all right mm-hmm. to the point where singing is always part of my classes because I do know, you know, what keys I'm using and what parts of the brain I'm acting with and what I want and why I want mm-hmm. people to sing this song with me now. Right. So do you find that people do take to sound healing and use it for themselves and that it can, because it is so, I think, intrinsic to us to mm-hmm. be founding, push out those not-so-great ways of self-caring that we might have learned. Absolutely. You know, I think, uh, you know, initial reactions to sound healing is, what is sound healing? What is sound therapy? And the answer, I think, always must be tailored to the questioner, you know. So if they have holistic or alternative medicine background, then I could compare sound healing perhaps to Reiki. You know, it's like sound Reiki. You're just amplifying the energy with sound. Uh, But if there's no holistic experience, I might go from a bit more of a scientific answer or just say this is the use of sound and music for health and wellness. Um, So I think because people have everyday experiences with sound, you know, just the reaction to the sound of thunder or the sound of the ocean or even their reaction to the sound of an alarm and a siren, um, that people really do generally have experienced the effects of sound and music. Um, Maybe there's music that can relax or even reminds them of a person Revent. Um, so I think ultimately when I, you know, first introduce somebody to sound healing, I find curiosity. I think because there is that in, intrinsic understanding. Um, but, you know, we're such a visual society. Um, we're very much a visual society. So tuning into uh, sounds can be a great way to um, shift shift what's happening in the brain, in our multitasking brain. It can be a a great way to help yourself slow down actually just by sitting and listening to the sounds around you, especially in nature. Yes, forest mm-hmm. bathing with your ears. Right. Oh, yeah. And you don't even it's have to go to a great way to meditate. Yes, great. yes. Mm-hmm. The other 
the other sound healer who's very much influenced me, and I don't think she would object to my calling her a sound healer, although she didn't practice as that. She was uh, known as a composer, was Pauline Oliveros. Oh, well, yes, deep listening. Yeah, that's right? a big aspect. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's very in- influential to to the field um, and to to being aware of your soundscape, you know, whether it's the sounds of the city, the sounds of uh, nature. Uh, what are they telling you? Uh, you know, what, what are you listening for? There's um, so much you can learn about yourself and about um, connecting to the world just from the sounds around you. And so she very much incorporated that into her compositions. Yeah, really beautiful work. Yeah, the two years we spent as lovers totally changed my relationship to sound. Mm. Oh, I bet. I bet, yes. And she talked yeah. She talked about the first time she turned on a tape recorder and then listened to the tape and the things that were on the tape that she hadn't heard. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. And, mm-hmm. and what, and what um, a coming back to oneself it is to just listen and not be responsible for anything that you're hearing and not be responsible for any reaction, but to simply allow yes. yourself to take in the sounds. Right, not labeling. Yeah, you know, and I think that's why it's really an effective method of, we could say, meditation. You know, a lot of people may have a hard time meditating because they're told to just empty their mind, clear their thoughts. And what's great about having sound as an object of meditation is that you do have a point of focus. You can just kind of keep re- redirecting yourself to the sounds that you're hearing. Uh, you know, maybe it's the sound of traffic in the distance or a bird quite close, whatever it might be. Um, and then all of a sudden you'll notice that your, your thoughts have, have drifted away because you're just uh, with the sounds and you notice that your listening does deepen um, and brings you both more within, more connected to yourself and your own sounds and your own vibrations, and, but you feel that connection to the vibrations all around you. And the sound, like the mind, keeps moving. Mm-hmm. So that it says that the idea of stilling the mind gives way to the idea of being in the flow. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. That's right. So what do you do all day long as a sound therapist? That's a great question. You know, I've found <laughs> that it's quite limitless. You know, um, I, as you mentioned in my, my bio, I was a full-time high school teacher, um, but I immediately, once I found this field and got some training, I knew that everything had led me to this. And so initially, uh, after my my training and certifications, spent my own business, and that really entailed working one-on-one with individuals, you know, helping them with their own balance and their own sound health, and working with groups. And some of the groups that I've specialized in is working with people with dementia, um, and would, which is actually uh, a quite amazing, both challenging, but what's really amazing about dementia is there is that part of the brain 
but the music is still there. The lyrics are still there, even if they might not remember an event, a person, the music lasts. So it's so amazing going into um, a dementia wing and, and working with people because the shift that you see once you start introducing this music, um, they, they go from being completely kind of isolated, even slumped over, to clarity. I mean, they're looking at each other, they're smiling, the, the feet are tapping, they're dancing with their caretakers. Um, that's one of the most rewarding uh, experiences is, is having that connection and seeing that light come to um, these beautiful people. Um, Everyone who's listening also, to you is, is smiling and enjoying yeah. what you're saying. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Oh, gosh. I mean, what's what's better for you than that? those moments of joy? Yeah, and, and wouldn't you want that for yourself if that were to ever happen in old age? It's just to... Uh, to um, have those moments of joy and connection with others. And, you know, so uh, it's, it's been a beautiful experience to, to be with people and interact in that way. And, um, you know, I do a lot of groups, sound meditation. So I'll facilitate different um, events at yoga studios, uh, medicine clinics, um, all kinds of things. But what really fills my time now is I'm a teacher um, and trainer for the Sound Healing Academy, uh, and we offer certificate and diploma programs. So I get to meet people all over that are interested in this field and, and see that spark in them as they learn about this modality. Um, so teaching those workshops is probably my biggest passion right now. You're spreading it. Yay. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and people need it more than ever. You know, a lot of these modalities, it's just needed more uh, than ever. Absolutely. They're so effective as medicine, but they're mm -hmm. even more effective as preventative medicine. Really, sound healing That's needs right. to be part of our everyday lives, not just well, something yeah. that we do when we're traumatized. Although it works well, great if we're traumatized. That's right, you know, and I think why it's so good for pre uh, preventative, but truly for uh, many of the conditions or imbalances that people will, will come to, to see us about is what an effect stress has on people and, you know, how many um, conditions are influenced by stress. So I think the number one benefit I hear uh, is how relaxing a sound session or sound meditation is that it creates a space that allows people to slow down, quiet the chatter in their mind, because stress being scattered is such a huge part of how we operate and kind of how our society is set up. So allowing this time to just let go, focus on the sound, the space, the silence, and intention up a really strong intention uh, is one of the big things that we do in this modality. Um, so that process tends to reduce stress, which then alleviates tension and allows for so many physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual benefits. 
I think you're not just talking about any music. Right. <laughs> I think we all have music that if we listen to it, we would think, hmm, I'm not resonating with that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there there is music. Uh, and even any of these sounds and sound healing, you know, there's a lot of common tools that are used in this modality. You know what? I, so don't, I don't think that, there's that a, a one be my sound question. fits all. Yeah. Do you actually use music or do you use tones? Because a lot of the the work that Kay did with us, we toned. Yeah. We weren't, yes. I mean, she did work with symphonies and she certainly, you know, did work mm-hmm. with, you know, full out stuff. But she also kept it very, very simple in yes. group so that, that we weren't, um, to have to worry about all the complications of music, but that a, exactly. a, a tone would be enough to activate certain energies in ourselves. And she taught us that the fifth tone negated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, I agree. It's a little bit of both. I would say the majority of the work that I do one-on-one and for groups is about simplicity, is about repetition, is about those tones, space, subtleties, um, and not filling up, uh, you know, you know um, allowing for people to lose time. I think that really can be important. I think an- another thing I want to mention about this work, especially one-on-one work, is if you are a practitioner and you're very used to the tones or the tools you're using. For example, a common tool is a Tibetan or Himalayan bowl. If you get so used to what that bowl sounds like when nobody else is around, or you get so used to how that bowl reacts to you when you're anxious, well, let's say you just stubbed your toe, and your toe really, really hurts, and you play that bowl, and have it sound right over your toe, does it sound different? So the more in tune you can get with your tools, eventually you will know what inflammation sounds like. If you're using this tool over or around someone, you'll be able to find scar tissue or a metal plate or agitation, um, fatigue. So it's actually very much a listening sensitivity, intuition, Reiki-type work uh, when it comes to this one-on-one work. So, yeah, it can be very simple um, and not necessarily a composition in that way. Now, some of the bigger group sessions I do, I will bring in the violin or the sitar and actually make it a bit more of a composition. Um, But the majority of time, if it is for meditation purposes or healing purposes, you're absolutely right. Spe- you know, specific tones, um, very yes. simple, not busy. You wouldn't be able to pick out a tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for right. me, for me, the next step up is a Sharudi box and kirtan chanting. Love that. Yes, love that very much. I love chanting. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's exactly that thing, you know. At first, you might feel a little awkward, but after five minutes or so, yeah. you find yourself just in the melee of voices and in exaltation. That's right. 
Yes. Yeah. You can, you just, you all are in training to that beautiful harmony and intention, very much like a drum circle. You know, I think that's what's powerful about drum circles as well, is that you're all in training to uh, this rhythm. It's, um, yeah, there's just these natural cycles and ebbs and flows in a drum circle um, that even if you don't know the other people in the drum circle, well, you're all drumming together. You're all feeling that rhythm, that internal beat together. I think, I think it is similar in, in Kirtan. Even if you don't know anybody, even if it's your first time, you just can't help it. You're all in training to that beautiful energy. Yes, anywhere in the world I've been. I don't mm-hmm. have to know the mm-hmm. people's language. Yeah, right, right. And you might even get so emotional or a lump in your throat and you don't even know what they're saying. You just feel it. You feel the heart. You, you feel the harmony. And for me, the healing that comes to me through sound is that being whole in my heart. There's mm-hmm. so much modern life that hurts my heart. Yes. Mm-hmm. And sound restores the joy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it can help kind of allow us to let go of those heart shields, perhaps, you know. It just can naturally allow us to get more in touch with um, those uplifting feelings, those joyous feelings, and, and just put a smile on our heart. There doesn't even have to be any words or lyrics associated uh, with the tones or music. Um, it can just give you this this warm, nurturing feeling that we, we so need. And I, I think a lot of people that come to Sound Healing, they might come and mention a few things, a few imbalances, or maybe a physical issue, but really what they are needing is that self-love, that that feeling of joy in their heart. It's just so needed, yeah. And so you not only do this professionally and get paid for it, but you're also Mm -hmm. training more people to do it and get paid for it. Tell people how to get in touch with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my website, the best way to find me and all my trainings, as well as I have some recordings of, of sound meditations I've done, uh, is sounds, so sound with an S, soundshealstudio.com. Or just look up Natalie Brown Sound Healing, and you'll find a, a bunch, of, bunch of websites, and the Sound Healing Academy has my trainings as well. Great. That's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what hasn't I asked you that you really want to talk about tonight? Hmm. Let me think if uh, there's Do you have a special there. experience with sound that you want to share with us? We all love stories. Yeah, well, I can, you know, what really got me into leaping into this full time was, and and part of the training that we offer through the academy are case studies. So you you work with several people and do progressive sessions. And coming from my academic background, like I mentioned, um, you know, I've always been 
intuitive and kind of have, have that nice balance of art and science, but I was kind of a data person, you know, uh, I, I wanted to, to really understand and be analytical. But once I had those case studies and I was working with, with people um, and I would get their feedback, there was just absolutely no doubt in, in the power of this work and the transformations that, that people were having. Um, so in the case studies, I had people have life-changing experiences such as overcoming lifelong social anxiety, um, breaking through a 10-year writing block, uh, releasing childhood trauma. I had a woman, um, after we worked with weighted tuning forks, so kind of in a way with vibration on the body. She was walking for the first time in nine years without a cane after we worked. Um, people perhaps having trance-like experiences. People can go into altered states uh, with sound where they would see colors and travel to far off places. So no matter how much I read, studied, uh, learned protocols, techniques, approaches, the actual doing and learning by doing, the experiential part and the feedback from the people I was working with, that's when I knew uh, the power of these practices. And that's what I advise to people that are, are first learning this. Experience is truly the best teacher. And be playful. Be playful. Once you start getting your sound healing instruments, um, you know, they can be your teacher as well. That brings a big smile to my face. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that they, they really are your instruments. And when... Uh, when we're making music, they're instruments, but we also call them surgical instruments, which is very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, you know, in, in this case, to not feel that they're separate from you, that these sound healing tools that you're using, they are an extension of you, I think it can take a little bit. But um, just like using your hands in an energetic way, um, if you're using a sound tool uh, to, to really connect with it. It's a mirror. Uh, it can be a mirror of your own energy as well. Yes. I had a, a dear friend, Julia Haynes, who spent the summer putting her harp out on high places to let the wind play it. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. Aeolian harp. Oh, just oh, amazing. Nice. Yeah, and it just and wants to play on its own. Yeah. What? To play on its own, exactly. <laughs> well, I could certainly talk to you for much longer, but it's a blog talk show and they're going to cut us off, boom, like that. Oh, well, thank you thank so you. much for having me. You are welcome. I want to thank you for helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and for the beautiful sounding threads that you have added to this effort. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for helping me restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. And thank you to everybody who's stepping up and saying, I want to do something for the Hypericum Conference. It's going to be a great show. Till next week, green blessings, and bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>